Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform and influence. My name is Amanda. And my name is Alex. And in today's episode, we're excited to welcome a very special guest, television personality turned ballroom star. Today's guest is an advocate for entrepreneurship after bringing his own childhood dream to life. Taking this vision and identifying a gap in the confectionery market, creating sweets that look just as good as they taste. Today's guest is well loved for his performances on screen, his creative social media videos, and of course, for being the face behind Candy Kittens. So without further ado, we'd love to welcome Jamie Lang. Jamie, how are you? Do you know, it, I, I'm impressed. It is so hard to do an intro for someone when they're actually on the podcast. <laughs> what, what I would, I would never do that normally because it's just because you know, I'm just thinking, God. But thank you for the intro. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. And you guys are very close to home for me because I basically the school called Summerfields, which is in Summertown, which is in Oxford, and then I went to Radley College, which was just outside of Oxford near Abingdon about 50 minutes outside. So all of my reckless behavior in growing up was in Oxford. So we're all homies here. We're all buddies. Love it. Brilliant. No, well, thank you for joining us today, Jamie. So I feel like we're going to kick things straight off. Ask you, what is Candy Kittens and what does it mean to you? Oh God. So Candy Kittens is, how do I put it? So I, I, I changed my answer so many times, but it, <laughs> I'm told by my business partner, you really can't do that. So I'm trying to stick to it. So Candy Kittens is a gourmet confectionery brand. We are a sweets brand in the smallest kind of term. Um, we started eight years ago, uh, nearly nine nine years ago now coming up to nine years ago we had an idea that what we wanted to do was create a a sweet company that was fun that was sexy that was different to every single thing out there we didn't want to follow logic and most people in life follow logic because it's the right thing to do we're told to follow logic because we take exams all these different things so to go against logic is totally against what we've been told to do um and with Candy Kittens, is that what we did. So we built this confectionery business for when I was 21 years old with my business partner, who's also 21, with no idea what we want to do. Um, and that is Candy Kittens. We love it. I love to hear it. And I think one <laughs> thing that stands out to me is the fact that you said it was like a childhood dream. Mm. Was, um, and the fact that it actually came true is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, but was this something that you followed from a young age? Because I know that you studied theatre and performance at university. So like, how did that path sort of change or switch? I think that we're saying about this before, I think that your, your path always changes and you always sort of mix up and do different things. Um, for me, I, I the only reason I did theatre and performance at university, it, truthfully, is because I wanted to go to Leeds. All my friends were at Leeds, so I wanted to go to Leeds University. My girlfriend at the time was at Leeds, so I wanted to go and join her there, and that didn't last very long, unfortunately. <laughs> and I I wanted to be far away from London and things like that. And so I, I truthfully, I, I failed my A-levels. Um, I got, well, not failed, but I got BCD. And my offer to Leeds University was AAB. And I went up to the university and said to them, look, I'm really bad at exams. I made a big mistake. And I showed sort of intuition and went up there and basically begged for them to let me in. And they said, well, we'll have to think about it and all these different things. I said, okay, fine. Well, just please, I just would really appreciate it. This, you know, this young kid who came up on the train all the way to Leeds to meet the head of theatre department. Anyway, when I the results came in, I, I saw that I had an unconditional offer to Leeds. They let me go in there. That's amazing. Yeah, which was, so I, I sort of advise anyone out there, and this is what we've always done with Candy Kittens. I think a lot of people take no for an answer. Never take no for an answer mm. in, in lots. Sometimes no, definitely take it as an answer, but it <laughs> sounds like really bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> but in lots of cases, especially 
especially business. Um, and when it's you, you want to achieve something, never take no for an answer because it's only someone saying no. And why should they have the right to say no? So I was always going to pivot. I was always interested in entrepreneurship. Um, ever since I was a kid, I was always selling things and, and buying things and trying to make money. I was fascinated by money, not because it bought things, just because it was something you gained. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 something you gained. So I, my first job was I used to pick off daffodil heads. Um, I said to my mom, you can give me 10 pence every daffodil that I pick off in the garden or the dead heads and you can pay me. And I picked off so many that um, I got, I could, I bought a PlayStation or it was a Sega Mega Drive game with it. I remember it well. And then I sold rugby shirts in my school. Um, and then uh, at university, I really didn't like what I was doing. I was honestly just like, I just don't know why I'm sitting here doing contemporary dance. This is just not what I want to do in life. And I sat with my friend who I'm still friends with now called Hannah. And she said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've always had a dreamed of a world, uh, having a world made of sweets. I love sweets more than anything. And I feel like I can do something different there. I just really want to do what I love. Um, and she said, okay, we should get set up a sweet company. And I said, yeah. She said, what are you going to call it? I said, I'm going to call it Candy Kittens. She said, why is that? And I said, well, the, the candy is a universal name for confectory. So I'm going to call it candy. And the kittens are the people who represent the brand. And it was at the beginning, a mixture between Willy Wonka and Hugh Hefner, as I called it. <laughs> nice. and, yeah, yeah. And that quickly got squashed because uh, it was not a great idea. But that's how it all did because I pivoted because I wanted to do something I loved. I didn't want to do what I was doing. I wanted to change it. So so clearly entrepreneurship was always something that you were, was a big part of you growing up. You're always trying to think of new and creative ways to be your own boss and that sort of thing. Is it true that you always wanted to work for yourself? Was that always kind mm. of the end goal that you always wanted to create a business that was yours? I don't know if I, I if I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have, because I think now entrepreneurship is like a sexy term. Um, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and that's a good thing. I think lots of people want to be an entrepreneur, but back in, when I was younger, I'm 32 now. So, you know, 10 or so years ago, people weren't, you were an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur was, you know, you were kind of unique almost. And I, all I knew is that I was, I didn't understand the concept of making another person a success. I didn't get that. I said, well, if, why would I go and work for a business that makes you more successful? Why would I do that? Why don't I just do it myself? And I was always very bad at being told what to do. And I realized that from a young age, I realized, I tried to realize my faults from a young age. Um, I was very good at sport, played a lot of rugby and things like that and loved it more than anything. So I knew if I loved something, I'd be good at it. I knew if I didn't love something, I'd be incredibly bad at it. For example, still to this day, I don't know how to drive because I'm just not interested in driving. If I'm not interested in something, I don't do it. If I'm interested in something, I do do it. And I think that's what you have to recognize and life. It's super important of what you are good at and what you're not good at. It's really hard to understand. I saw this thing the other day where someone said there are two sort of uh, lies that we're told in, in life. And one is uh, you, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And actually, that's not a true thing. You can't do anything if you put your mind to it. Because really, for me, I'm never going to be a basketball player or this or that. But what, what it more is, is that find what you're good at understand or what you love not what you'll get up but what you love what your passion is what you actually want to do and if you put your full head into that you'll do well at it because it's your it's what you like to do you have to remember that you wake up every day and especially with work so i'm ram but i talk a lot by the way guys i really no, apologize fine. i'm really sorry but Clearly got a voice for a podcast <laughs> yeah there's a there's a statistic in america where 13 percent of americans enjoy their job right 13 one three percent something like 60 odd percent do something called sleep working 
which is basically where they wake up every single day and they just do their job. That's it. It's called sleepworking. The rest, 20 odd percent, are depressed or anxious going to work. People aren't interested in working. 13% of Americans out of 320 million people like their job. You know, it's very tricky to be in that 13%. But I can promise you this. If you wake up every single day and enjoy what you're doing, doesn't matter about financial gain, doesn't matter about this, doesn't matter about that, but you can pay the gas bill and you can buy a pizza. Do what you love because it's going to make you fundamentally more happy in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And <laughs> Sorry, that was a big ramble for Literally you guys. I apologize. Making me consider a whole new career path. <laughs> <laughs> honestly um so i think your sweets are absolutely amazing i'm a huge fan i used to buy them all the time at colonnade around the corner at uni <laughs> but um i'd like to know you mentioned a little bit earlier that your team are your kittens essentially but what does uh what does a candy kitten buyer even look like how do they stand out to you it's interesting because um that's a really good question actually um and we didn't really know that for a while you have to remember when i started candy kittens and and a lot of people this goes back to my idea of logic right i think the greatest uh weapon that any entrepreneur has when they start, especially when they're young and especially when they're hungry and they're interested and they do is naivety. You don't know what you're doing. I had no clue on earth what I was doing. Try and Google how to make sweets. You're never going to find it. We had to much everyone's belief. We didn't have any money. We had 3000 pounds to our name. We, yes, we had a platform because I decided to join a TV show and go onto this TV show. And that gave us kind of marketing and stuff like that. But that was a huge risk at the same time. But naivety is key because you don't follow logic. And when I say this, you know, following logic is basically where you, uh, you know, if you fly a plane or drive a car, you want to follow logic because it gets you back in the same place as everybody else. When you're starting a sweets brand or a podcast or something that don't follow logic because it gets you back in the same place as everybody else, a place where you don't want to be a crowded space be completely different. And for us, we didn't really realize this. So a lot of our things that we made at the beginning, we made them gluten-free. We made them more expensive. Uh, we made them uh, colorful packaging. We only did that down to naivety because we were like, well, this seems good. We didn't follow any trend. We didn't follow anyone what they were doing. We just did what we thought was right. But what that also led to the fact that we didn't even understand who our customer was. We had no idea who it was. And we were told that we need to fundamentally understand who that is. I think it's really important when you're selling a product, who are you selling it to? And so we made up an imaginary person. We made up someone called Katie Clapham. Uh, <laughs> she lives in Clapham. Uh, she cool. is... <laughs> yeah. yeah. She actually, weirdly enough, we made up this character and then someone called Katie Clapham came and worked for us. How bizarre no is that? Yeah, no, yeah. That's too weird. <laughs> yeah, really weird. So she's in her early 20s or she's mid to early 20s. So we know exactly who this person is. Um, and when you know exactly who you're selling to, with especially when you're selling something like a, a product, like we do, like a sweets product, you know exactly kind of the, the sort of branding you need, the messaging you need, the things that Katie Clapham likes. Does she like going to fashion shows? What music does she like listening to? What festivals does she like going to? Does she go to festivals? What job does she have. And so for us, Katie Clapham, we know everything about her. So that's who we think our customer is. And so we know everything about our customer. Find yeah. out who you're, make an imaginary person up as your uh, your customer. I think that's always a good thing to do. So does that go to the kind of principle of candy kittens and the fact that you said that you know how to make sweets at all, but mm. it was all well branded. You were trying to find what Katie, Katie Clapham would want. So it was all about the branding. So branding was in a way more important than the taste of the sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for us at the beginning, you know, <laughs> If you if you look at our company, we we we're, we're not a confectionery company. We're a branding company. 
um, because you know our, our sweets are made by a manufacturer. We don't make the sweets, so we don't make the sweets. We design them, we pick them, we pick the colors, we pick the flavors, we pick all these different stuff. But we didn't make the sweets. What we did was we branded delicious sweets in a great way. Now there were two things here because we could have very easily gone out there. There was a um, Maria Sharapova, the tennis player, created a sweet brand called Sugar Pova, and what she did is she just bought sweets packaged them in her packaging and sent them out there. We didn't do that. We created our own suite and made our own suite. And it took two years to do that or a year and a half, 18 months to create the suite. They weren't as good. They weren't great at the beginning. There were lots of mistakes because to make sweets is really complicated and hard. But what we were really good at is that my business partner, Ed Williams, is a genius in branding. He understands what brands he likes, what brands look good, what's funky, what's fun, what's in, what's out, all those different things. And so because uh, we didn't really know how to make the sweets and we didn't know anything about the sweets, we knew that we that would be a journey. We would learn how to do that every time. What we did know is about branding. So we focused heavily on branding and making it look good and all those different things. And then with the idea that the idea of the sort of quality of the suite would then adapt over time, which it has done, which is great. Absolutely. And I think what's really interesting is that the confectionery market is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you ever sort of see yourself like maybe drowning in that sort of market or how did you sort of establish yourself as candy kittens? Totally. It's the same thing where everyone sort of has has that idea, they think, well, how can you take on the big guns? How can you create a shaver if you're going to go up against Gillette? How can you make a toothpaste if you're going to go up against Colgate? There's these huge brands going. And what you, again, do is you have to go back to your gut and just know that you can do it. And that someone's done it before, so why can't you do it again? Um, That's what's really important. We just believed that our suite was great. We, we knew it was going to be delicious. We knew it was branded differently. We, we knew it was unique and different to anything else out there. And that's what was exciting for us. Yes, we were playing against these huge guns. We were playing against Roundtrees and Haribo and Maynards and all these massive people. But we also took risks. You know, I joined a TV show which was um, about people being posh and supposedly living off their parents' money. It was, you know, could be seen as incredibly negative. But what I did know is that it would be a great mar- marketing platform. So when you're starting a business, listen to your gut don't follow logic like everyone else is doing and take risks because at the beginning you can take risks when you get bigger and stronger and you're selling more it's much harder to take risks so is this what exactly what you were doing in the first two years of saying while the suites are being developed you were kind of getting the name getting your personal name and candy kids's name out there you're just mm. working on promoting the brand before there was even a product that's exactly it we built a brand candy kittens with no sweets we we set up a pop-up shop and sold t-shirts and stuff like this we just created the brand created and the hype. Of, yeah yeah created a hype exactly that and i think a lot of people when they're setting up a brand try to um keep it close to them they don't want anyone else to know but i actually completely disagree if you want to set up a business talk about it mention it become that brand become that thing because at some point people are going to go, oh, this is interesting. He keeps talking about this brand. He keeps going. You know, there are lots of businesses out there that perhaps aren't doing, uh, you know, huge amounts of growth in terms of revenue and stuff for that, but they continue to survive because people are constantly talking about it, who are the founders, whoever it is. And I think that for us, we built a ghost. We built a brand, which was a confectionery brand with with no sweets because we talked about it. We sold t-shirts and we created hype. Try and create hype around your brand, whatever you possibly can. Absolutely. And I think one thing I've really picked up from this conversation is just the benefit of using your intuition or just your gut feeling and Mm. i think from from doing that you sort of build on your bigger and better ideas every single time because it's just innovative it just comes to you so how did you sort of stay ahead of the game as well 
Do you know what? Again, if I'm being totally honest, it's again back down to this naivety. Um, you have to remember we're all conditioned, right, to to follow the book, right? Because we we've taken exams and we have to get the answers right in order to get to universities, and so we're all conditioned in order to follow down a certain road, and that's the right road. Um, and for us to stay ahead of the, the, the stay ahead of everyone else and stay. Firstly, when you have a small business, the, another weapon. So if you have a Swiss Army knife when you're starting a brand. The really exciting things is firstly, you have naivety, but also uh, you can adapt really quickly and change really quickly. You know, you can make your sweets suddenly vegan, or you can make them gluten-free suddenly, or you can create a flavor, apple and elderflower flour really quickly. With the big companies, the problem that they have, and this is in any industry, they can't pivot that quickly. So for example, Addison Lee, right? When Uber came out, Addison Lee can't quickly pivot into suddenly doing Uber, the Uber style things. They can't do that. So they have to change or, or, or black cabs, the same kind of stuff, right? So you, as a small business, you can pivot and change really quickly, which is really exciting. And for us, we just did things differently. I know this sounds odd, but we did. I would advise people, if you're going to go and set up a shoe brand, go and look how they sell fridges. Look at advice from a completely different industry. Because if you're looking at your industry and seeing how other people are doing it, you're just following the same stats as everybody else. We never did that. We always were different. We made noise, we were risky, we were fun, we were exciting, and we had a story. Most importantly, we had a story. We had this guy who was on Made in Chelsea who uh, loved this world of sweets, you know, and as a kid, my brother used to tell me stories of Jamie and Sweetwell because I was scared of the dark. And, you know, we built in this story. <laughs> and what, yeah, what people really jump into is when something is authentic, something is real, something has a story. Find what you like, find why it connects you, find why there's a story behind it. Don't follow in trends, don't follow what anyone else is doing and just really go for it and follow your gut and don't be scared to fail. If you fail, who cares? You get back up again and do it. I got told this quote weirdly by Denzel Washington who said, um, Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship, which basically is if something is easy, then you're just going to sit back and just do it. You're just going to be there and you're going to be there. 20 years later, you're going to go, well, that was easy. If you make things hard for yourself, it's way, way quicker to progress. Easy will never progress because it's easier to sit. Make things hard for yourself because that's when you'll reach real sort of true success. I definitely agree. I think progress really comes from being out of your comfort zone. And if you're constantly just following things that are easy, then, you know, there's no real room for growth. Mm -hmm. But as much as success as you have had, have you ever any, experienced any obstacles? And if so, what was the most significant obstacle? How did you overcome it? And what did you learn from that experience? Oh, my Lord, we, we have obstacles all the time. I, I, trust me this. <laughs> yeah, you think that we're a success. We do not feel like a success every <laughs> single day in terms of my life, in terms of everything. Not at all. <laughs> I would say one of the biggest lessons I had to learn is uh, money is oxygen. And unfortunately, that's the truth. When you're running a business, cash flow is really important. Really, really important. And um, I'm still to this day terrible with numbers. And if numbers is your strong point, then congrats, uh, because that's a really, really good thing to have. And if your numbers are not your strong point, find someone, doesn't matter your father, your brother, your sister, your mother, your cousin, your friend, whoever it is, who is good at numbers, who can help you. Because cash flow is everything. And we've always been on the cusp. You know, mar margins and sweets in terms of sales are really not that strong. So when your margins really aren't very good, you have to make sure that your cash flow you, that you predict is right. You've got to be cautious. You've got to be all these different things. And for me, cash flow was one of the hardest things. And I think in lots of businesses, the reason why people fail is because they get their cash flow wrong. They either become too successful too quickly or they overestimate what they're going to sell and they die because they don't have enough cash. That's the first thing. And then again, with cash, never look for cash when you need it. You know, there's a, there's a 
really famous Churchill quote where he says, you know, why would you why would you bargain with someone when you have when your head is in the lion's mouth? You know, never do that. When you never look for cash when you need it, because when you need it, you're weak. And when you're weak, you'll give away everything. That's the other thing. So always look, always have cash in the bank. And I think the other thing is equity is the most important thing to you, most valuable thing. Equity is cheap at the beginning, so you can give it away for cheap, so you can get people, Facebook example, the, the guy who painted the walls in the office, he just gave him a percent of Facebook and he sold it for how much? Keep hold of that equity. Don't let it go unless you have to let it go, but keep hold of equity. And I think that was the other mistake that we made. That's amazing. And I think even just listening to this conversation, you can just see how passionate you are. You- as well as your successes, even in your mistakes and just kind of overcoming those. But you're obviously somebody that takes on massive projects. Like you've done Strictly Come Dancing, Made in Chelsea. You've done so many different podcasts. What would you say that you're particularly passionate about and what keeps you motivated? I got asked this the other day. I obviously Candy Kittens for sure. I love, but, but for me, um, it's, it's stuff like this. Honestly, it's this kind of stuff. Um, I love uh, people. I really like people. I love learning from people. I love chatting to people. My biggest passion is probably entertaining. If I'm totally honest, probably a, 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 I, I thrive in the being in the center of attention a bit too much a lot of the time, <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's that. I think that, you know, I went to boarding school at the age of eight years old. And when you're thrown into a dormitory of 12 different strangers, when you're eight years old, you have to communicate in order to survive. And so communication has been with me since eight years old. So for me, communicating through podcasts, through whatever, that's that's my passion. I love doing, I love meeting people. It doesn't matter who it is, big, small, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I just, I love doing this. Make it's sure passion. your voice gets heard. <laughs> yeah, wait, maybe I'm just incredibly narcissistic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's great. That's great to hear. Do you feel like there are any um, other possible future ventures that you'd like to undertake in the future? There's lots of different things. I'm working with an amazing company called Sons, S-O-N-S. Uh, they are basically a men's care, healthcare brand that's focusing on hair loss. I think male pattern baldness, but well, there's females as well, but particularly male pattern baldness is a huge thing for guys. And I think a lot of guys worry about it. 65% of men lose their hair at some point or lose a portion of their hair. And these guys do it in a really cool subscription-based business. They're really amazing. They're really great really exciting and they're just focusing on health and I think digital health in general is great so any guys out there uh, we are going to focus on women at some point but at the moment it's guys but any guys out there who are freaking out about hair loss or anything like that go and check out Sons S-O-N-S Care for Sons and they will really sort you out in the most so healthy and beneficial way and cheapest way absolutely confidence is key as well so totally helps to boost the confidence of our young yeah absolutely touching back on your previous comment you graduated with a theatre degree do you feel like performance and, and acting could be a direction you could see yourself going into in the future or do you see it being more of a following the business focused path I, I don't know I, I really I don't know if acting so much but presenting and stuff that I just I love I, that's why I've always wanted to do again immerse myself within people and do shows TV for me is probably my bigger I love TV more than I think it's just an amazing world very bitchy at times and hard and you have to really have a strong skin but um it's it's really incredible um so yeah I will focus on TV and build candy kittens up to do different stuff and you know we we're just launched in America with Walmart which is really exciting I think a lot of people want to build their business up and sell it and you know 53% of German businesses are still family run and that's why they're the third biggest economy you know it's really important to hold on to business not saying I'll do that with candy kittens 
kittens, but I would like to build it up to what we can or, or we can't build it anymore. And so that's what I kind of want to do, I think. Amazing. Thank you for that. And I mean, finally, if you could leave one piece of advice to give to our listeners who are thinking of starting a business, what would your words of wisdom be? I got told this thing once. Uh, I got told, I'll give you two ones. Firstly, um, business is paid in two currencies, cash and experience. Take the experience first and the cash will come later. Don't do stuff because you want to make money because you'll fail miserably. And and, and money doesn't, doesn't do anything apart from buy you a bigger house or a faster car. It really doesn't. Building brands and stuff is about your passion. So get the experience first, love what you're doing and the cash will come later. And the other one is, is what I, I try to, when I first started doing Made in Chelsea, I knew that I just didn't want to be known as reality star. So I went to the biggest agency in the whole of the UK and asked them to sign me, try to persuade them. And they said no, obviously, because I was a random reality star coming into the thing. But he said, I'll give you one piece of advice and it stuck with me forever. He said, if you're driving up the M1 to Leeds, because he knew I was at Leeds University, if you're driving up the M1 to Leeds University, don't veer off to Manchester, know your destination. And it's 100% true. Whatever you're doing, if you're setting up a brand or you're doing something, know where you're heading. Amazon always knew where they're heading. Facebook always knew where they're heading. You know, Candy Kids, we always knew that we were making the best sweets possible. Yes, you can veer off in terms of different things and pivot, but know exactly where your destination is. I think that's the biggest key thing. Always know where you're heading. That's amazing. And Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you're Was welcome. that all right? Appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, it's been awesome. Thank it's you for joining amazing. us. Do you have any social media that you'd like to plug in? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Listen, if you guys want to get in touch, um, I'm on Instagram, obviously. Sound like Jamie Lang. Um, and uh, DM me, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, or listen to some of our podcasts. They're kind of funny. They may entertain you. They're private parts. I do it with my friend France Six Degrees with Jamie and Spencer. My friend Spencer Matthews. You can get on BBC Sounds. Lovely little podcast. Brilliant. I am enjoying them myself. So Thanks, dude. I appreciate wow. it. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Jamie. This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. With new episodes being released every Thursday, you'll be ready to continue taking steps to bring your ideas to life. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences. That's all for now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs>